0: Hello and welcome to the Exam Study Expert podcast. About this time of year, two years ago, the How to Study Effectively series started going out here on the Exam Study Expert podcast. You will find that from episode 66 onwards. At the time, it was pretty much the most important series on the podcast that we'd ever done. I really saw that as a summary of all my thinking, as it was at the time, about the most effective ways to learn for your exams. That's about how to get content to stick in memory, whether that's facts and concepts in sciences, uh, critical approaches in English or art subjects, or formulas and procedures in maths and quantitative subjects. I even brought out a book to accompany the series, Outsmart Your Studies, which has been well-received by by many of you, I know. Um, When I look back on the How to Study Effectively series and the book, How to Outsmart Your Studies, I certainly don't disagree with my advice. There's a lot of good material in there. But since then, two years have gone by in which I've spent many thousands more hours thinking about effective learning strategy, including my own reading research, uh, gathering our own data on learning strategies in action in the revision census surveys that we do here in the UK, uh, and above all, working with hundreds of more coaching clients uh, and tens of thousands more workshop attendees in schools and universities, uh, helping those those students and learners and professionals perfect their study strategies. So I think it would be surprising if all of that thinking and teaching and working with students uh, and all that data hadn't advanced my thinking on the subject of how to learn effectively. And and it has. So I thought it was high time I picked up the podcasting mic again and brought you a little update on what I'm now thinking uh, in terms of the most effective ways to learn for your exams. Uh, The big headline is I now see that there's really just two effective ways to learn for exams—that's right, just two. Well, maybe three at a stretch, depending on how you count it. I'm going to kind of talk about three today, but but really, it's—I think it's—it's—it's it's, it's really kind of two, and then the third one is a bit of a, an honorary mention. Um, so, before I share the three approaches, as I, as I'm going to do for you today, uh, let me first cover the foundations we need to be clear on before we can talk about the the three approaches. So. In terms of the absolute fundamentals, when it comes to learning effectively for exams, everything rests on the principle of spaced retrieval practice. We've talked about this on the podcast quite a bit before, um, but not so much this year. Uh, so, if you want to look back, check out episode 66, for example. Um, but, in a nutshell, retrieval practice means testing or quizzing yourself. So, pulling knowledge out of memory in some way. And s- the spaced bit, <laughs> so spacing, spaced learning means spreading that out over time. So, repeating that testing or quizzing, that pulling knowledge out of your memory uh, repeating that multiple times with a time delay of maybe days or weeks in between the different attempts and it's that magic combination of retrieval practice testing yourself plus spacing pulling it out of uh, spreading that out over time that is the secret to getting stuff to stick in memory uh, in the most effective way that's the principle that underpins everything um, Now, I used to think there were quite a lot of different ways to do spaced retrieval practice. Um, If you look back at the How to Study Effectively series, you'll see me talk about flashcards, practice questions, uh, smart notes, which I back then called Q&A notes. I think smart notes is a better term for it, so I, I use that term now, um, quiz apps, digital flashcard tools, pair testing, getting a friend to test you, blank page retrieval, brain dumps. Um, I, I wasn't wrong. These are all ways to do spaced retrieval practice. Um, but the more I've taught this material, the clearer I've got that everything ultimately boils down to just two core approaches. And they are as follows, cued recall and free recall. I'll explain what those mean in just a second. Uh, there's maybe a third uh, approach which I'll come on to towards the end, uh, and, and kind of explain why it's a little bit more of an honorary mention rather than a, 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 a kind of a, one of the core core two uh, to start with. Um, it's a pretty the third one's pretty important, um, but let me break down those first two uh, to, to start with before I slip in that third one. Okay, so cue recall. That's the first one. That means answering narrow, closed-ended questions for example, what is the word equation for photosynthesis? That would elicit a one-line answer. Uh, carbon dioxide plus water goes to glucose plus oxygen. There tends to be, with cued recall, there tends to be a specific answer, a term, a definition, an equation, uh, a list of steps in a process, a quote perhaps. Your, your answer is either accurate or it's not and if the answer is not accurate, it's either because you got it wrong, you you, you put down something and it was a mistake, um, or you missed out an essential part of the answer. So say you were looking for a list of five um, advantages or five steps in a process and you only got three of them, you know, that wouldn't be a perfect answer because you're missing two of those 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 components. So that's queued recall. Um, and it's any time you're responding to, to, well, a queue, uh, you're responding to that specific question or or, or kind of cue that results in a a kind of a closed-ended answer. The alternative is free recall. So this is more about open-ended questions. So rather than what's the word equation for photosynthesis, uh, free recall might be more tell me everything you know about photosynthesis. And that could be recalling several classes worth of material, so potentially a lot of material one of the things about free recall is it's not about right or wrong. Yes, you can make errors in your free recall. You might inaccurately recall a term or a concept. There's no such thing as a perfect bit of free recall, though, uh, as there is in cued recall. Um, There may be weaker attempts at free recall, which are perhaps light on detail and full of mistakes and inaccuracies. Uh, And on the other hand, there may be stronger attempts at free recall, which are generally Accurate uh, and full of detail. But there's no such thing as a perfect bit of free recall. You can always add yet more detail uh, to even a pretty strong attempt at free recall. There's always more depth you can go to, uh, especially as you become more advanced in your studies and move on past more kind of basic uh, early early parts of um, your academic uh, journey. I said everything was variations on a theme. So, having talked about cued recall and free recall, those are our two main themes. Let's break down each one a little further and explore some of the variations on each one and how you might put these into practice. So let's talk about cued recall first. And again, that's answering narrow closed-ended questions that might have a fairly succinct answer that's either right or wrong. All methods based on cued recall involve you seeing or, or perhaps hearing a question, trying to remember the answer and then in some way checking your answer to see if you're right or wrong. And if you're wrong, you'll learn from your mistake. Hopefully that'll stick for next time. Some of the different tools you can use uh, to show you those question cues and the corresponding answer later include flashcards. Uh, the tried and tested were well, my, my, my personal favourites. Putting your question and answer pairs on two sides of a small bit of paper. You could put your question and answer pairs into a digital tool, something like Quizlet or Anki or Brainscape, so digital flashcards. You could put your question and answer pairs into adjacent columns, down a larger piece of paper, with your questions or cues in the left-hand column, the corresponding answer in the right-hand column. That's what I used to call QA now QA notes, uh, which I'm now calling smart notes because it's a bit snappier. <laughs> Or you could even have your friend or a relative quiz you on questions from a book or other resource, Uh, perhaps quizzing you on your flashcards, for example. That would be pair testing. To set yourself up to do cued recall, there are typically two stages. Writing your question and answer cues, for example, writing a set of flashcards and then testing yourself on them or getting a friend to test you. You can even get creative with how you do your question and answer pairs. So um, beyond some of the uh, kind of basic strategies I've mentioned just now, so flashcards, digital flashcards, smart notes, pair testing, you know, some of the slightly more uh, innovative ways of doing... Cued recall uh, include, well, if you spend a lot of the time um, traveling or in the car, um, or, you know, for whatever reason, you know, written language is is a, is a medium that's quite, quite challenging for you. Um, how about recording question and answer pairs as an audio track that you can listen to? When you record, leave a good length pause after each question um, before you record and speak the answer, so that when you listen back later, you can test yourself by trying to speak out loud the answer after you've heard the question and then the audio plays on and it will tell you the answer and you can compare that to what you said a moment ago and see whether you're right or wrong just like an audio version of flashcards. Uh, Some people like to put sticky notes up around the bathroom mirror or by the kettle so that they see key information every single day as part of their morning routine. I'd say go one better and do lift the flap style sticky notes so put your question or your cue on the front and then write the answer on the reverse, upside down, such that it reads the right way up when you when you kind of lift the flap of that sticky note. If you can imagine what I mean, that way you can not just expose yourself, but crucially test yourself on those all important nuggets as you're making your morning cup of tea or brushing your teeth. Some neurodiverse learners I know even like to write their questions and answers on two sides of jumbo-sized lolly sticks uh, and pop them in a jar, pulling them out at random for a quick quiz. Uh, And there's something about the tactile, physical nature of that format that can be a nice plus uh, if you, you know, generally don't kind of enjoy working with with paper and, and writing. So that's the world of cued recall. Hopefully that's given you a good flavour of both what it is and the sorts of ways you can put the idea into action. The different variations, as I say, on that core theme of quizzing yourself on short, closed-ended questions. Let's now turn our attention to the alternative approach, which is free recall. Again, as a quick reminder, this means answering more open-ended questions. So for example, write out everything you know about photosynthesis. Could be a lot of information, and there's no such thing as getting an answer perfectly right or wrong. An answer may be more or less complete or accurate, but even a good answer could always have extra detail dropped into it. So let's talk about the variations open to you in the world of free recall. In particular, in terms of what you're recalling, where you recall it, and how you're setting out the material that you recall. So what you're recalling in your free recall could be a range of different things. You could simply write out whatever you remember about a topic or a subtopic, as in the example I've been using today to help you understand what I mean by free recall, uh, where you write out whatever you know about photosynthesis or whatever topic you choose. Uh, alternatively, you might do free recall based on an exam question or exam style question. Uh, more on exam questions in a moment. But first, there are various options for where you recall the information. So where do you put the information once you've recalled it? Well, you could simply write it on a blank piece of paper. Uh, That works absolutely fine. A blank piece of paper is a wonderful revision tool. Uh, You could write it on a mini whiteboard. Uh, I really like that strategy, particularly if you're tempted to spend a long time writing um, and kind of on working on the presentation of your recall uh, because a whiteboard by its very nature is transient it's going to rub it clean in a moment and that is quite a strong reminder to focus on just, just getting the ideas down and not worrying too much about presenting it really neatly and um, you might even free type your thoughts into a word processor or perhaps play with online mind mapping or, or kind of spider diagram tools In any of these strategies, you first want to recall everything you can from memory and then as a second step, check what you got right or wrong, adding in any corrections or important missing points, perhaps in a second colour explaining or teaching someone else about a topic or question is another nice way to do free recall. Uh, Or you could even just record yourself explaining a topic or or simply explain it to an empty room or or your favourite stuffed animal. Uh, That that can all work really well too. The one little watch out with doing the kind of, I guess, verbal version of free recall is that it can be a little bit more challenging to correct any mistakes or missing points uh, when you go back and consult your source notes and because you might not necessarily remember what you said or didn't say or whether you said something right or not and so just a little watch out on that potential issue okay so then let's talk about how you're setting out the material in your free recall so this could take a range of forms you might simply freestyle over the page or whiteboard putting down stuff anywhere You might lay it out with some kind of visual structure, such as in a spider diagram, mind map, or my new favourite of recent years, a tree diagram. You might even write it up in full sentences and paragraphs, as for an exam-style essay. Technically, I'd probably consider free recall to be the kind of essay planning part of the process, and then writing up your sentences and paragraphs is more of an additional step beyond free recall to practice your essay craft, but it's a fairly hazy distinction. Which leads me to the final area we need to talk about today. So we talked about cued recall and free recall. Those of you with sharp ears and memory for what we talked about back at the start of this episode may remember I talked about a potential third approach, Um, and we've only talked about two so far, free recall, cued recall. Possible approach number three is practice questions. So this could be questions from your textbook, past assignments, or real past exam papers. Now, I think this one's arguable. Uh, it, like It's arguable whether this is a really distinct third area on its own, uh, because some practice questions may be quite short and closed-ended and therefore effectively be cued recall, while others may be much more open-ended, longer essay-style questions and therefore feel more like free recall. Uh, so you could kind of categorize some practice questions as being free recall, others as being queued recall. So maybe you'd argue it wouldn't be a distinct area on its own. The reason I, I'm choosing to include it as its third and, and own area on its on its own is, is I think practice questions is an important enough area in its own right for any subject or exam in terms of <clears throat> the value uh, as part of your overall learning system. I think every exam prep process needs some practice questions uh, to a greater or lesser extent, depending on the exact nature of the exam you're taking. So I'm quite happy with the decision to include it as its own distinct area as a reminder that it's a really important thing to always be doing at least some of. So that concludes what I wanted to talk to you about today in terms of the three main approaches to learning effectively, queued recall, free recall and practice questions. If all of this has whetted your appetite to work on upgrading your learning system to the best possible techniques and getting the most out of your chosen techniques, uh, you've got a couple of options which I just wanted to talk you through before I go today. The first option is Study Strategy Coaching, where you work uh, with myself or or, or Alex, my colleague, uh, one-on-one over Zoom to build and refine the perfect study system for you. You can learn more at examstudyexpert.com forward slash coaching. There's now a new way to learn everything we have to teach about effective learning strategies, and that's my new signature course, Total Memory Mastery. Mm There's a lot inside Total Memory Mastery, so let me break down my five favourite bits for you. Number one, Make It Click is a one-hour masterclass on how to build initial understanding, especially when the material is complex or challenging with particular focus on the limitations of your brain's kind of thinking engine, uh, working memory, and what you can do to overcome those limitations. Make it click is pretty fresh content. Uh, This is the first time I've made this material available outside of my workshops that we do in schools and universities. Number two, make it stick. Uh, So we've had make it click, initial understanding. Make it stick uh, is another one-hour masterclass on how to get stuff to stick in long-term memory. So we started the conversation on that today. Uh, we touched on spaced retrieval practice. Um, make it stick goes goes deep. Uh, so we've scratched the surface on that today. Um, I've spent years having really in-depth conversations with people applying spaced retrieval to their learning, troubleshooting the sticking points that come up when you start to implement this stuff. Uh, the toolbox of strategies I've built over the years to, to help people implement space retrieval practice covers all sorts of things from common misunderstandings that will get in the way of applying space retrieval consistently, uh, through to the answers to, to kind of practical challenges and questions like how much to space? You know, how many times do you need to revisit things, how long to leave between different attempts, uh kind of how to organize and manage your time for all that. And 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 also the balance. Uh for the need to keep going over old material, with the need to make progress on new material, especially when you're studying for a large scope exam that's many months away. As part of Make It Stick, I also introduced my three layers of learning model, uh, the three steps that I think everyone has to go through to be successful in their exams, um, and talk about how the three learning approaches we met in today's episode have different jobs, each in preparing you for the three layers in my three layers of learning model. Um, In at number three uh, is the tech vault. Uh, So for this, I've invited exam study experts, very own Dr. Alex Hibble, uh, to record a series of walkthroughs in which she shows you exactly how to get the most out of the most popular learning tools uh, like Quizlet, Anki uh, and Brainscape. She's even done a nice comparison of the different tools and which one's the best choice under different circumstances. Each of her walkthroughs starts with the basics, so you can get up to speed, even if you're not too confident with new technology. Um, But by the end, she's breaking down some insider secrets uh, that will likely be new and valuable to even the most experienced users of these tools. How to set up your settings, uh, how to get the most out of the different formats available, what to do for for best learning practice. In at number four uh, is the remembering recipes. So we talked today about the three main effective approaches uh, to learning, queued and free recall and practice questions, in the Remembering Recipes videos, I walk through my best practice tips for getting the most out of these three approaches. Uh, So the traps to avoid, tips and tricks to take your learning to another level. I've sprinkled a couple of my favourites throughout today's episode, but there's a lot more uh, we want to talk about. Um, So check out the Remembering Recipes as part of Total Memory Mastery for more on that. At the time of recording this episode, these videos, so the Remembering Recipes videos, are still marked status coming very soon. Uh, Some of them have been recorded, some of them haven't. Uh, I haven't released them in the Total Memory Mastery course yet, but they will be going live in the next 10 days or so after this episode broadcasts. Uh, So there won't be much of a wait uh, for for those. Finally, one of the ways to access Total Memory Mastery is as a member of the Study Smarter Network. Uh, I'll talk about the two ways you can access Total Memory Mastery in just a second. Um, But as a member of the Study Smarter Network, um, you enjoy all access uh, access all areas to all of our on-demand programmes, of which Total Memory Mastery is, is one, uh, but there are others as well for different aspects of your study strategy. Uh, for example, uh, productivity, uh, mindset, exam technique. Uh, the, the, the thing I wanted to highlight with that option is that members of the Study Smarter Network also get access to me via a chat and voice note app, uh, so you can enjoy some of the benefits of one-on-one coaching in terms of personalised guidance and support, uh, helping you shortcut your way to the Approach that's going to work best in your circumstances, and then answering and troubleshooting any questions or doubts you have every step of the way. So, as I said a second ago, there are two ways you can get yourself uh, access to Total Memory Mastery. You can either buy the course standalone at examstudyexpert.com forward slash memory, or you can subscribe to the Study Smarter Network membership for access to Total Memory Mastery, along with all of our other programs and support. all-in-one convenient subscription so you can stay as long as you need and then leave when you're done. Uh, we now offer a choice of annual or flexible rolling monthly plans, which you'll be able to find details of at examstudyexpert.com forward slash network. Uh, I'm not going to give prices here on the podcast because I don't want the information in this episode to go out of date in case you're listening in the future, and the chances are that today's price won't last forever as we continue to expand and build on the content we offer you in this signature programme, and the price adjusts to reflect that. Uh, But for all the latest info, uh, including pricing on Total Memory Mastery, again, you can head to examstudyexpert.com forward slash memory, or for the Study Smarter Network, it's forward slash network if you have any questions about the programs and what's right for you and your circumstances don't hesitate to drop me an email it's william at examstudyexpert.com thank you so much for listening today i hope you found this episode interesting uh, I've certainly really enjoyed uh, kind of my sort of Intellectual journey, I suppose, uh, over the past few years of kind of landing on these 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 three strategies, and, and I think I'm, you know, I'm really happy with this as a as a kind of a, a, a clear unifying framework for talking about effective ways of learning. Uh, I hope you found this interesting and uh, uh, and useful as well as you think about the best ways for you to to learn uh, for your exams. Uh, I just wanted to end, as always, by wishing you every success. Uh, I'll be rooting for you. Thanks ever so, so much for listening today, and good luck.